Hello, and welcome to Banking Transform, the top podcast in retail banking. I'm your host, Jim Roos, owner and CEO of the Digital Banking Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. Guests visited from the team at Marcus by Goldman Sachs are not new to Banking Transform. This is because the team at Marcus is continually to evolve the product offerings and the way they're doing business. In the past six years, Marcus has created a digital platform for consumer loans, credit cards, high-yield savings accounts, automated investing, as well as providing many tools to help consumers manage their money. More recently, Goldman Sachs completed the acquisition of GreenSky, the largest fintech platform for home improvement and larger, other large-scale POS purchases. We are very fortunate to have Swati Batia, partner and head of direct-to-consumer business at Marcus on the show. Swati discusses the continued product expansion by Marcus by Goldman Sachs and how Marcus intends to become the dominant force in retail banking. So welcome to the show, Swati. As I mentioned in the intro, the team from Marcus are no strangers to our show. In fact, this is the third visit by a leader from Marcus to discuss the ongoing expansion of services at your firm. Could you provide a short background on your career and your role at Marcus today? Hi, Jim. Thank you so much for having me over. And thank you for giving us an opportunity to talk about our story. Uh, Currently, I serve as the head of Marcus. It's Goldman Sachs direct to consumer business. I'm responsible for all Marcus by Goldman Sachs products that meet customers' needs around saving, investing, borrowing, spending, and optimizing their financial lives. Before Goldman Sachs, I uh, I joined here in February of 2021. Before coming here, I was Stripe's Chief Payments Risk Officer, where I led a team responsible for ensuring financial loss minimization and financial crimes mitigation across the platform. Uh, Before that, I was at PayPal. uh, And before that, I held a number of senior leadership roles at Capital One. Wow. So have been at the intersection of payments, consumer financial services, and technology my entire career. And all digital. I mean, the reality is, you know, Capital One was one of the first digital organizations driven by data and analytics. And uh, they were just recently a guest of ours. And, it, and it's, it's amazing what's happening from the outset of the creation of Marcus Platform. Your firm is focused on developing a digital platform that is simple, transparent, easy to use, and also provides value from your high-yield savings account to your low-cost um, lending programs. Can you discuss a little bit about the engineering and research and development that goes on behind the scenes? Because when we look at legacy organizations versus a fintech organizations such as yours, the biggest difference seems to be in the, how the back office runs. Now, I realize you started from, a, from a, a clean sheet of paper with Marcus, and it was built as a digital organization. But how do you keep the engineering going and the research and development going to know, you know, what is a good fit, what's not a good fit, and how do you keep it simple and transparent? Wow, that's a, a big question. Uh, the key word here, Jim, is research. Before Marcus even began, there was conversation with 10,000 consumers to understand what are the unmet consumer needs that still need to be solved in this space. And since then, we have actually spoken with 100,000 customers outside of our call centers where we constantly get feedback from our customers or on our app and web. So the research piece of it is really, really important. 
that combined with i like to say best people if you hire the best people who have been attracted to this because of the purpose of this business then innovation is absolutely the outcome that you get out of it you are specifically about engineering uh we have found the right balance of building our business with technology guiding us the business team and engineering team work hand in hand together to build what is truly a fintech uh our leadership in fact consists of a very right balance of the two functions as you said my background is all from technology companies uh our head of consumer piyush nahar his background is entirely in technology companies and we have deep expertise from in financial services uh engineers make up a quarter of employees at goldman sachs and our teams are at the forefront of innovation in financial services space so that's the crux of hire the best people set up the right environment where customer is the first thing we think about and business and engineering work hand in hand together it leads to r&d um you also asked about back office right you said how do you keep it simple i think our principle i'll say two things first we start with a premise that we want to service the customer the way they want it people don't want to spend 20 minutes of their day to make a customer support call i don't know about you i don't look forward to actually calling up to solve some of my problems we want to be able to serve them in our app or website if that's what they prefer and we will always be there for them on standby if they want to speak to us so that's our principle the second thing is i say this that banking is not about inventing a new financial product i don't think that a new financial product has been invented in decades it is about making every step of the experience better than it used to be it's creating more value for the consumer it's actually understanding their need and solving that so we keep that front and center and we say we're going to just work to an end where our financial expertise is available at all customer touch points and that those are the principles with which we are building this business it's interesting you know i've done hundreds now interviews of of different firms and there's not a time where a fintech firm or a digital banking firm such as yours doesn't mention how important leadership is in the process that the view of the organization and setting the tone for what is going to be the objective is at the forefront of everything i don't hear it nearly as much from legacy financial institutions and i believe and, and just from my interviews back and forth that's the biggest difference between the fintech organizations and legacy banking organizations is the mentality of leadership that sets the tone for everything else in addition i would imagine that your ability to hire top talent at a time when it's so hard to get good time talent is there's an advantage to being a firm that's already a digital financial institution and at the forefront of change so you know what's interesting is you've attracted well over 10 million users since marcus was launched in uh, in 6 years ago 13 million now so i'm just updating your number i said well over 10 so it's well yeah. over 10 at, yeah. at 13 but you continue to buy organizations like green sky 
and previously GM credit card that provides you scale instantly. Is this an ongoing strategy or are you also trying to implement what we'll call an organic growth strategy as well? We have and will continue to blend organic and inorganic growth. We will build, buy, and blend capabilities so we can scale in a way that makes sense and helps us meet customers where they are. Uh, we, uh, so far in consumer business, if we look at it, we built our loans business. We bought GE's deposit book, which became Marcus Savings, but we've grown our customer base tremendously. And our deposits now are over 100 billion globally. We uh, have partnered with a player like Apple. We now have uh, acquired Green Sky. We have partnered with a brand like GM. So our entire strategy is a mix of build, buy, partner, and grow the business. We do do a lot of organic activity and we use um, channels that are currently the place where customers want us to meet them. Uh, we use the digital channels. We, um, in fact, you do paid media, we do earned media, and podcasts like this also are a great source for us, Jim, for um, getting our story out there and organically acquiring customers. So you mentioned Green Sky, and I mentioned Green Sky. It's a B2B2C home improvement platform, but it's also for big purchase items, beyond home improvement items. How is that leveraged to sell additional services offered by Marcus, and is this most recent acquisition of potential gateway to maybe buying a buy now, pay later market? Let me tell you how we, we are seeing Green Sky. For our direct to consumer business, point of sale lending is a very important customer need that we want to meet. It helps our customers spend and borrow, and it's available seamlessly at the point of sale. Green Sky is a market leader in serving home improvement point of sale financing. And to us, home improvement is the most attractive point of sale market because it's securely growing. It serves a customer base that owns a home, has high FICO score. Transactions are large. They're generally greater than $10,000 per transaction. And us having a balance sheet is a competitive advantage in that space. Even from customer acquisition perspective, we gain access to millions of customers. We are expecting to add 1 million new customers per year from the Green Sky platform. Even for our partnerships business, we are a strong believer in embedded financial services. We think that people want to meet and experience financial services in ecosystems that they love and trust. Green Sky is an example of embedded financial services system because we embed point of sale financing in merchants ecosystem. A merchant who is installing windows in a customer's home gets to offer the customer a point of sale financing solution in the moment. We are acquiring a leading network of 10,000 plus loyal merchants. And Green Sky customers will be integrated into the Marcus overall ecosystem and they will be serviced through Marcus app. They will have access to all Marcus products. Regarding your question about buy now, pay later, we are uh, focusing on specializing in 
financing special moments at point of sale for a customer. Large dollar purchases, like I mentioned in Green Sky case, it's 10,000 plus transactions. We have a product called Marcus Pay, which we have a partnership with JetBlue, where we finance customers' vacation and travel. So our strategy is large dollar transactions. We also think that consumers deserve options for how they spend or borrow in any given moment or in any given situation. So part of our goal is to be helpful as we can to the customers by providing them a variety of solutions. So we have point of sale financing, we have card solutions, we have pers personal loan solutions as they need them, where they need them. So it's interesting, you know, we go back to the My, My GM Card Rewards Program also that you did in, in conjunction in partnership with General Motors and MasterCard. How has that performed? And, and you've mentioned already the other acquisitions, how you build them around a product, but then you take that major customer base almost, you know, and make, a, make almost a super app where you're able to offer them savings accounts, you're able to offer them installment lending, maybe a, an Apple card. You know, how, how well does this work overall in getting current customers that you acquire embedded into other market services? You asked about how uh, GM Card is doing. On Tuesday, Feb 2nd, we welcome new customers to Marcus uh, as we officially converted the General Motors credit card portfolio from uh, Capital One to Marcus by Goldman Sachs. And we are thrilled with how it's been received so far. We're really excited to help these customers achieve their goals. GM has millions of very loyal card members, many of whom have been leveraging the benefits of their cards for years, and we really look forward to serving them. Uh, we expect and imagine this to be a highly integrated experience for our consumers in Marcus ecosystem. We want, we have several products, but we are shooting for the experience of our customers to not be like many stores in a mall, but have an integrated end-to-end -end experience on our website and our app seamlessly across products. So, so it's interesting. The elephant in the room, and I, I mentioned this on our pre-call as well, is that you you build an impressive array of digital banking uh, products among your platform overall of Marcus. Um, you've had new acquisitions, you've had new products introduced. That said, the elephant in the room, as I mentioned, is the fact that you still don't offer a checking account. Um, why is that offering lagged or has it lagged? And is it that important to the overall view of the markets platform? We have grown into products that address first borrowing needs, then saving needs, then Marcus Insights, which meets customers' personal financial management needs. Then we launched investing product. These are all customer-informed products that we launched as we heard from them the need for that product. We spent time on designing them. We're making sure that we are bringing to consumers a product that addresses their needs. And we take the time to make sure that the products are actually doing that. We are going to launch checking this year. We are very excited about it. We believe checking is a tip of the spear product that will help us in establishing a primary relationship with our consumers. And our focus is on helping our consumers better manage their financial lives. And checking is just going to be a very important capability that will allow us to do that. 
is a checking account, you know, we talked about checking account now for three or four years, or actually since you probably introduced Marcus, people mentioned, you know, when are they going to offer a checking account? But has the primary financial account view changed over the years where maybe now more than ever, people don't see their primary finance institution just as their checking account bank. It may be their home improvement bank. It may be their credit card bank. It may be their installment lending bank or their savings bank. Is the checking account really anymore the primary financial account or it's simply just part of an overarching platform? Checking is a core need, right? This is where our paycheck comes in. This is where bills get paid from. Uh, a recent survey we did, Jim, we asked customers this question, which financial institution is your partner in your financial success? 75% consumers said no financial institution. And all of them have a checking account. Right. We believe that to be truly a partner in a customer's success, you have to build the range of products. You have to be the institution that they pick up the phone and call and say, I have started making more money. What should I do with it? Or I've had a change in my life. What should I do with it? It's the moment of change in a customer's life that then judges who is it that they see as their financial institution. We think that checking is going to help us build that relationship with the customer, but our uh, bigger plan is to democratize Goldman Sachs expertise in financial services and bring that to every consumer. We believe that money should work for everyone. And that's what we want to do through the relationship that we build with the customer. You know, it's interesting you say that because we just, uh, I wrote an article this week around the fact that um, financial institutions are not being viewed as a great partner. Um, they're being viewed as product salespeople. They're being viewed as organizations that don't listen to where a customer is going and what their, their journey is and, and that overall the belief that a, a financial any financial institution is really doing what's best for them for their financial wellness is missed. And I think that's one of the things that Marcus has continually tried to pursue is saying in all your acquisitions and the integration, you're saying, you know, we're trying to provide the services that will help a consumer get to their, to help them along their financial journey. And you obviously, through your research and development, the engineering, everything you've been done in the back office, you use the data that you collect from these acquisitions, the GM card or the, the uh, Green Sky um, relationship, is that you're going to be using these data points to say, how can we help this consumer move to the next level in their financial relationship? And, and really, a checking account is in many ways the least engaging product with the exception of the fact that we're doing transactions. The reality is, if I'm talking about what helps me in my daily life, my Acorns account on savings accounts or my PayPal account on my acquisition and disbursement of funds for my business or my Robinhood account for investments um, really help me reach my goal more. So I think at the end of the day, your point around, yeah, we're going to offer a checking account, but, but the checking account doesn't have to be the foundation. You know, you have 
multiple foundations as you acquire different companies. So I think it's meeting all of those needs, right? Like you said, it's meeting all of those needs. It's yeah. the high yield saving account plus combined with a great investing platform, combined with a personal financial management tools for the customers, combined with lending options when you need them at point of sale or otherwise. It's the combination of them that makes it a primary financial institution for a customer. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Microsoft. See how Microsoft can help unlock new opportunities at speed and scale through innovative business processes, delivering differentiated customer experiences across channels, innovating new products and services, and redefining new ways of thinking. Find out more at Microsoft.com backslash financial services. So, Swati, many of your products in portfolio acquisitions appear to be targeted toward the middle market. Goldman Sachs, obviously, their legacy has been in helping people of substantially greater means do essentially the same thing. How does your down market strategy pay dividends to the consumer that maybe isn't as familiar with Goldman Sachs as they are with Marcus? A 150-year-old bank, you know, in six years ago, this business started it was because we noticed an opportunity to improve simplicity, transparency, and value to the customer in their financial lives. We've built up this startup within our walls to bring expertise of Goldman Sachs to all consumers. Our strategy in consumer is focused on transforming the way every customer manages their money on a daily basis and around their major life moments. Because life can be on autopilot or life can be combination of really good financial decisions. And that's what, what we hope to bring to all our consumers. Uh, so meeting consumers where they already are, bringing together customer-centric brands that people are engaged with, combination of all the products that we just talked about, make an institution, a customer's primary institution, is the strategy to bring Goldman Sachs to the entire customer base. If we look across our products, Jim, we serve across all wealth levels. And we are excited to do so because the commonality across all of them is that they're attracted to our brand because they want to experience their savings digitally. They can see a world where banking is done entirely digitally without ever walking into a branch. So you have, you have six years of experience at Marcus where the organization has been in existence six years. And I asked this question, I think it was four years ago when I did my first interview with somebody from Marcus. Somebody from New York. If somebody is working for Marcus and obviously part of Goldman Sachs, do they call, when they get introduced to somebody, do they say I work for Marcus or do they say they work for Goldman Sachs? When it was four years ago, they probably said they worked for Marcus. I wasn't here, but I'm assuming that the identity was Marcus. It was mm -hmm. a startup inside Goldman Sachs. And a few uh, months ago, we announced that we are changing our brand from Marcus by Goldman Sachs to Goldman Sachs Marcus. And that is a pretty significant change because it's the power of our larger brand that 
actually gives wind to Marcus. It's the 150-year-old legacy. It's the power of the financial expertise brand. It's our balance sheet. It is uh, our risk management culture. All of those have been extremely important to Marcus growth. And similarly, Marcus innovation is something that adds value to Goldman Sachs brand. So we are Goldman Sachs Marcus. And I think people introduce themselves with pride either way. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we have very few organizations that, that have not only the big legacy organization, but also the startup within it. And um, it, it's interesting to see what people identify themselves as part of. So, you know, last year you announced the offering of a robo-advisory tool for the mass market. Obviously, the marketplace is very saturated with both legacy and new entrants from the digital wealth management field. How is your advisory product performing um, to date? And, and within your overall portfolio, who do you target for those services? It's actually very early days for this product, but we are very, very pleased with how the product has performed so far and the reaction from our customers. This is actually one of the great examples of us leveraging broader expertise of Goldman Sachs to package it and bring it to our customers in a digital first way. We are funneling GS investing expertise through a product called GS Smart Beta in the portfolio. And uh, as we've been listening to our customers' feedback and seeing the numbers, many of our existing saving customers have become invest customers. And GS Smart Beta is our most popular portfolio that the customers choose. And it shows that people want a digital investing product, but fueled by the investing expertise that we have. It's early days. We are going to continue to launch additional uh, options for our consumers as we build upon it. So I'm going to do a pivot here. And it, it's an important pivot that I talked to you about before we got on the, the, the podcast today, but we recently celebrated International Women's Day. And I want to find out a little bit more about your rise through the ranks in a business that still is very male dominated, the financial services business. And, and be it Stripe or PayPal or your days at Capital One, you were rising through the ranks at a, at a time that, that it wasn't necessarily a foregone conclusion you could do so. So has the awareness of historical disparity and opportunities for women in finance helped expand the potential for women to play more important roles in organizations such as Goldman Sachs? I think it's women making it in impactful, visible roles that has actually created the effect of encouraging more women to become interested in finance because it allows people to believe that they can have that career. It also fosters an environment in which female leaders can support and mentor emerging leaders and pay it forward. Um, I have learned, Jim, that you don't accomplish much alone. We all stand on the shoulders of giants. For me, my parents, my husband, my family, all the trailblazing women who've hacked through the forest before me, and all the people that I've worked with and learned from who believed in me, took chances on me, mentored me, have helped me to become who I am. So, you know, I think more women there are, easier it gets uh, to imagine yeah. even more women. 
at Goldman Sachs, there are a lot of influential women uh, who serve as role models. Even our division head for consumer and wealth management is Stephanie Cohen. She's one of four division heads at Goldman Sachs and a really, really powerful and impactful leader. Within consumer business, uh, I run the proprietary direct-to-consumer business and my colleague, my partner, Liz Martin, runs the large partnerships business. So both of the businesses within consumer business are female leaders. So, um, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done, but as a firm, we are continuing to foster female talent across all levels, not just as a check the box exercise, but because it produces strong business results. It makes sense. It's obvious to do it. Well, it's interesting because um, when I started the podcast, it was something I was really dedicated to try and see some balance in, in who we had as guests. And from my perspective, the, the, the job on my hand has become easier um, to get diversity of guests. And, and it's interesting because it may reflects the fact that, that people are raising through the ranks, not based on just titles, but based on skill sets, which is very important. You know, if you were to give advice to any woman that wants to become more influential in a, in a banking industry, that, that still is tough. What would, it, what would be the one thing you suggest? And maybe you suggest already, maybe it was, you know, to rely on others. Don't be afraid to, to stand on the shoulders of giants, as you said. That's definitely important. The other word that comes to mind, and this would be my advice to any leader, not just females, is courage. Just taking risks, walking through the doors. I think to women specifically, I would say, fight and succeed in a man's world without losing your spirit as a woman. Blend the best of your feminine and masculine strengths by taking strong action, but with a deep heart. Um, if I may add a couple other lessons, it is, I've learned, Jim, that no matter where you are, your destiny is not set. The next wave of your life can be and will be better than your last wave. And how much greater depends on how inspired you are, where you set your sights, and how hard you strive for it. And it depends on the purity of your heart and strength of your action that gets you there. I've also learned that you have to be yourself. You discover who you are, you accept who you are, you create who you are in the image of your desire and ambition and not in that of what the world thinks it can allow you to be. I have broken every expectation from my family, from you know uh, everyone. But, and so I, I, I openly say, don't have to fit any mold. Just break it. Those are great words. And it, it's interesting because my wife uh, started her career in retail, retired from retail just recently. And, and what you said about being yourself is, is so important because you can't fake it because you get caught. And, and especially if you're dealing with a gender differential there and, and it, you know, to be yourself, to be proud of who you are and then to go from there. And I, I think the whole on, on concept of uh, learning as you go along is, is important as well. But um, finally, and I'm going to get back to the banking world again. Now, what form of financial institution do you think will be most successful in the next three to five years? Will it be the big legacy bank, the community bank, the fintech firm, the tech company, or a combination of those? I think customers will choose their winners. Um, I, I think any player, the criteria will be any player that can meet them where they are with a web app-based banking solution. 
Two, builds a true partner relationship with the customer. Three, provides value to the customer. Customers know value when they see it, either in financial terms or value of their time. Four, I would say is personalized experiences. Five, I would say, and it's a, a strange word to use in banking context, but it is transcendental magical experiences, not just a functional one. If, if I look at trend in banking, Jim, like 40 years ago, bank was what? You walked into a branch and the bank people knew you. They probably knew your family. They probably know what your potential is. And the entire banking was based on relationship. And 20 years ago, it was customer became a data point. And that data point was, I want to give card to, or I want to give loan to someone who looks like this, whose debt to income is this, or whose FICO score is this, or who is going to be X risk predicted, et cetera. And suddenly customers had their um, banking with somebody, their card with somebody else, their mortgage with somebody else. From there, then, we came, then came breakthrough experiences. And fintechs came and customers started trying those. And now there are multiple cards, multiple mortgages, P2P, wallet. There are many other experiences that the customers have in their life. But if you still ask the customer the question, who is your partner? There is no one partner. They right. have to do the research. They have to figure out where to put their money. They have to figure out what's best for them. And I think where this is going to move to is this true customer-centric banking. Partnership in its true sense and customers will demand this of us and they will choose their winners. Great, great podcast and great interview. I, I appreciate your time. It is always great to catch up on what's going on at markets, but more importantly, how the strategy overall has stayed pretty consistent and the growth has become exponential. Um, I keep on warning people that uh, Marcus should be a firm that keeps them up at night because they're, they're you know, you, the ability to do things behind the scenes. It, it's interesting because Capital One is, you know, you go back in legacy times and, and their ability to use data to make an impact on the marketplace was, was astronomical and still is. But again, you built your organization from scratch and built a very large customer portfolio that you can play off the different product sets that you have. And now with uh, Green Sky, with the home improvement loans and the big purchases and the, the POS, POS relationships and the, and the relationships with the merchants, you know, all these things play into the same overall mold of, the, of and I, it's used overuse, I guess the word super app, but as I look at what PayPal wants to do and some of the other organizations, the ability to really solve a customer's experiential need, exponential needs around experiences and around engagement. If I can keep them engaged, they will be able to pick who my, my favorite organization is. And, and I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. But very nice to have you on the show today. I appreciate you being with us. Thank you so much, Jim, for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. I generally appreciate the support you've provided since we started this endeavor. If you enjoy our show, please be sure to give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Finally, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and the research we're doing for the Digital Bank Report. 
This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Roll Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Ruth. Until next time, take time each day to look beyond what you're doing to better understand what is going on around you. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.